You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. to see you all this morning. I'm going to take you back to a special moment in history. I have a wonderful story to tell you. But guess what? You don't know what it is. (laughs) Did you know that there were other animals in the stable next to where Jesus was born? You didn't? Well, I did. Because I was there. Because I'm everywhere, all the time, at least where God tells me to be. Because he's the boss. Anyway, today, I'm going to tell you the story about those other animals. Let's take a look. has been touched by God. Her life has been changed by hearing God. Having a close relationship with him and loving others. She doesn't have it all together. But, but, but. She understands where true peace comes from. She is flanked by her best friend and personal assistant, little sheep, Little Sheep ushers in every animal that visits the barn. She is a true servant and very kind. Old Dog has been in and out of several homes. He has ruined many a shoe and chased countless cats, yet he cannot find joy in these things anymore. He has lost hope for a loving owner that understands him and forgives mistakes. He has been walking for miles and is looking for a place to rest. (laughs) These little stray cats have been on the streets all their lives. They are good friends, but they are both lonely and need a family to care for them. As a result, they're always ready for a fight. (laughs) They have tried to fit in with different cat groups, but they've had to leave them since they've had a hard time getting along with the other animals. I mean, look at them. They barely get along with one another. (laughs) They are very afraid of dogs. They've both been bitten a time or 12. String cats are willing to try anything and are desperate for a place to call home. Small Mouse is afraid of everything bigger than him, which is pretty much everything. Small Mouse gets so scared that he can't even move sometimes. He doesn't think he's special 
and would disappear if he could. Small Mouse longs to let go of his fear. He just doesn't know how to do that. Tired donkey takes on a lot physically and quickly moves from one big project to the next. Tired donkey has a hard time saying no and would rather be busy than stop to consider how he's feeling. Tired donkey has a feeling that someone special has been with him and that something incredible is about to happen, but is eager to do his next big job. It was a cold winter's night. Kind Ox was in her stable, close to the side of the inn. She was playing with little sheep when old dog came by, stopped, and looked inside. Is anyone here? I need somewhere to rest. Hey, come inside. There's always room for a little one here. Yay, Bob. <laughs> Oh, I thought this barn was empty. I'm just so tired. I will leave you alone. Hey, you've actually had lots of homes, but never one like this. You should stay, and I can tell you about a God who will restore your heart and give you, you know, peace and rest for your soul. Do you want to see something miraculous happen? Bye, Mick Central. <laughs> it's true. I've been in and out of so many homes. I've lost hope. Wait, how did you know that? Nothing brings me joy anymore. To rest for my soul would be nice. Old dog came in and laid down in the straw, sharing the warmth of the stable. Straight cats see old dog and stuff. They arch their back, fur bristled. I'm not gonna chase you or you. Come inside too. I have room for little ones here. Oh no. We know exactly who that dog is and what he does. He chases cats like me. And me. We're we out, out, of out of here. No. Are you looking for a family? A place where you belong? Do you want to see something miraculous happen? Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> the truth is I have tried to fit in all my life. I'm afraid no one will love me when they know who I really am. Ditto. I used to feel like that too. You should stay and learn from us. We can teach you about a God who yearns for you and you can experience love and acceptance like you've never felt before. God creates beautiful families and if you stay, you'll see that you belong here. Just stay. It would be amazing to let people know the real me. I want to learn. Will you show me? Ditto. I want to learn. I want to learn. Stay, and of course I'll teach you. Yay, Bob. <laughs> Both cats went into the stable. They curled up in the straw close to friends they have found, purring and twitching their tails. Just a moment later, Small Mouse stopped at the door of the stable. He saw the cats quivered with fear, and tried to hide. You're safe here. We won't harm you. You can join our family. Hey, you can come in too. I always have space for a little one here. Small Mouse, are you okay? 
I'm trying to disappear. Is it working? No. There's actually someone who cares about you more than you know. And if you tell him about it, he can take your fears and he can help you. Are you talking about God? Can you help me with my fears? I have a lot of them, you know. I mean, in my old town, I was known to be. Yes. yes. And God can give you a real family. I've never done this before, and I'm not sure how to talk to you, but please see my fears and help me through them. I want to find peace with you and the rest of the world. Oh, and I could use a good family that helps me feel safe. Small mouse scurried in. He nestled down in the warm straw in the peace of the stable. Oh, look, it's Tired Donkey. Where will my baby be born? Hey, come inside. There's always room for another little one here. Here, let me help you. is going to happen here, but I have to get to my next job. Thanks for the invite. No! There's nothing more important than taking time to stop and see the miracle that God's going to do here. You don't want to miss this donkey. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should slow down and worship God a little more. Mary, I think this is where we need to go. Joseph made her a warm bed in the straw to save her from the cold of night. And so Jesus, our Savior, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty Counselor, the one who inspires the whole world to worship the true God, was born with the animals around him. Kind ox. Little sheep. Old dog. Straight cat. Small mouse. Tired donkey welcomed him to the warmth of their stable. On the, that cold winter's night, beneath the star's light, a little one came for the world. Please, light your candles. Jesus' birth is one of the greatest miracles the world has ever witnessed. With his arrival, we can enter into the true presence of God and be changed from the, from the inside out. This is really good news. Old dog was able to find hope and joy. Stray cats were safe to be fully known and fully loved. Small mouse learned he's not alone in his fear. Tired donkey needed a reminder that worshiping the savior of the world is more important than anything else. How about you? Would you join us in the stable? Do you have room for a little one? Please join us to worship the king.
Well, that was nothing short of amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. One more round of applause, yes? For all the assorted animals, angel. Um, my favorite, personally, was that little sheep. Right around there. But I could be biased. I could be biased. Um, big thank you also just to everyone that, you know, behind the scenes, uh, Gina, Shelly, Natalie, Rich, all the tech crew. There's a lot that goes into a seven to eight minute presentation, amen? So pr pretty encouraging to say the least. Um, today, we are continuing our uh, four-part series. This is uh, installment number three. Uh, it's about a Tim Keller book called Hitting Christmas, which is a really good one. I'd highly recommend it if you need an additional read in your life. Um, we're covering today the, uh, the perspective of those that you didn't see but are generally around or in charge of the animals, and it's the shepherds. And so we're going to look into the shepherds' faith uh, a little bit today. Before we do that, however, I think it's only fitting that I pray. Father God, we thank you so much for service today, God. It's truly a blessing to be able to celebrate this time of season. Uh, I, I love the songs, God. I love the worship to you, uh, just acknowledging the birth of your son, Jesus. All that goes into uh, this time, Father, we just pray that as we go through the sermon today, that our hearts are open. Give us uh, attentive ears. Allow us to, to hear your message, God. And it'll be an abbreviated one, but God, allow us to hear your message because your word is so desperately needed, whether it's the Christmas season or any season. We thank you so much for our time together. Please speak through me, God, in such a way that honors you, through your Holy Spirit. We pray in your Son's most holy and perfect name. And church said, amen. All right, so I don't know what, <coughs> excuse me, comes to mind with when you think of shepherds. Now, for most of us, if, you know, you're not too much into Luke 2 or <coughs> much of the scriptures, excuse me, i got a little frog in my throat. Usually it's kind of like a... Um, it's my nativity scene where you see those three figurines up there with a cute little lamb. You know, that was most of my understanding growing up. When I thought of Christmas, I thought of the nativity set that was pretty pricey. I don't know, what, what, you know how much it was in the 80s, but it was, it was a nice setup that my mom had. And I remember the shepherds in there. I was like, oh, that's cute. Or we might have the imagery of a, a child that's in like a bathrobe with towels. You know, that kind of whole setup that turns into... That shepherd get up, you know, that's at least the, the, the uh, cheaper uh, non-Costco brand or whatever uh, party city that I've, I've seen and experienced. Now, for some little bit of background, Mary and Joseph, they had to uh, take a census, and it was uh, part of the kind of the Roman setup. It's a long travel. Now, if you look where they were living, they were living in Nazareth all the way up at the top where you kind of can follow the dotted lines and see that point. They had two choices on which way to go, Right. They can go left through Samaria, uh, through Samaria, I should say, which if you know much about Jews and Samaritans, they don't exactly get along, not the closest of friends. And the other trek was, if you remember the story about the uh, good Samaritan that got jumped, and, and uh, the man that got beat up, and the Samaritan came to help him, it would be somewhere along that second trek, right? So this is like 70 plus miles, close to 80 miles on the left side, close to 90 miles on the right side. Wherever you want to go, they took one of those two paths, right? And so... When we get to the shepherd's story, Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. Uh, the, you know, he's registered uh, for the census, and the baby is born. All right, so we're going to pick it up in the shepherd's story in Luke 8. We're going to go through Luke 8, roughly, uh, Luke 2, I should say, 8 through 20 verses. So we'll do a little bit of a reading. Let's put our, our, our hats on it and ready to enjoy some verses. Amen? Uh, here we go. There is no screen right here, so I will be looking up today, just, just in case you're wondering. It says the shepherd's story, Luke 2. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now you see three things about the shepherds. We're going to touch on these in different aspects uh, through our lesson today. Simple, but very profound. They listen to the message, which husband and wives, you know, a lot of times, sometimes there's miscommunications. And, you know, it happens occasionally. And a wife may say something, and the husband's face is like this. Did you hear that, honey? He's like, yeah, I got it. I got the message. And it just went right over his head, right? Listening is important. Obeyed the message. And last but least, spread the message. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had an angelic message to tell the whole world about God incarnate coming down to earth, I don't know if I would use a shepherd. You know what I mean? If you think about your respective organizations for which you work, you know, especially in professional realms, right? If we're going to have this message and we want to go out to the masses, what are you going to do? Are you going to hire somebody that knows nothing about how to convey a message? Right? Maybe a consulting firm, some kind of marketing agency. God uses mediums by which to, to bring his message to the world that at first glance seem like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And for the kids in the audience, fun story, one time God used a donkey. Yes. An actual donkey to rebuke a prophet in Numbers 22. Balaam was riding this donkey. The donkey saw an angel of the Lord. And the donkey is on the road, and then the donkey all of a sudden veers off the road. And Balaam, he's upset, right? And so he's kind of his own frame of mind. There's this whole backstory about the Moabites, and they're trying to get uh, Balaam to curse the Israelites and say, whatever you say, if you say curse them, it'll work. And Balaam's like, I can't curse anybody unless God tells me to. Right? I'm, I'm under this kind of regulation. But they're trying to get him anyway. They're trying to pay him, persuade him. So he goes on this journey, and he follows them. First time they stop, goes off the road. He gets mad at his donkey, hits his donkey. Like, oh, okay, animal abuse, but amen. Um, then they continue along. Next time, the donkey sees the angel again. This time, the angel's kind of on the side, in the road, but there's a little bit of space. So in this little kind of wall confined area of the vineyard, the donkey tries to go around and smashes Balaam's leg. He's upset. Hits the donkey again, stinking donkeys, you know, takes that on him, gets upset. Third time, this time, the angel is directly in the middle of the road. Donkey's going forward. Donkey sees angel. Angel has sword out of sheath. Donkey just gives up and lays down. Balaam hits the donkey again. 
The donkey says, I've, I've been your donkey my whole life. This is paraphrasing, right? But have I ever been known to do something like this? And he's like, no. But it's kind of funny because he's having this conversation like he's not even surprised. So I know Balaam was in some kind of supernatural, you know, uh, uh, experiences going on talking to God. But it, it is funny that he just went back and forth with his donkey like it was no big deal. And then his eyes are open and he sees the angel of the Lord with, with a sword in hand. He's like, oh, okay, wow. God uses things that are weak. God uses people that are not that smart. God uses individuals who you wouldn't think that would be, let's just say, qualified to give the message, right? It's important to note this, right? The medium is not the message. We must not ignore uncomfortable truths just because they come through an unimpressive messenger. I mean, I'm not even six foot, and you guys are listening to me, so amen for that. You got some uh, pregnancy pounds that I, you know, acquired over the years too. But wherever the message comes from, there's always going to be this measure of truth, Whoever says it, whatever the circumstance is, God will work in these powerful ways. What the shepherds did, what I love so much, is they listened well. In uh, verse 15, it says this in the highlighted portion. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That may seem like it's not a big deal, right? Okay, they, read, they saw angels. Okay, they were a little scared, and they listened. But think about it for our own lives. How many times has God called us in some way, shape, or form, and we were like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> or maybe I'll go in a different direction, right? You know, because this, this is a big deal, right? Okay, we have a job, we're taking care of our sheep, and now we're going to go talk about uh, this whole message to the entire world. I'm going to go tell everybody and everyone, you could be considered maybe a little loony, Maybe a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, whatever the case may be. But they embraced listening well. You've heard the message. You've been to church. You've read your Bible. And sometimes the scary thing about that is if, unless it's presented in like a certain way, like whether it's the academic prowess, or I really like this preacher, or I really like this church, you know, or whatever it is, whatever package we try to put it in, we can forget how important the message is. It's a message about Jesus. God incarnate, coming down to earth, changing our lives. Doesn't matter who it comes through. The shepherds listened well and they obeyed. There's a beautiful thing about Christmas. They talk about peace on earth and goodwill towards men, right? That verse, in verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest heaven. This is not the King James, so this is what scholars consider a more accurate translation. It says, On earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Now, the interesting thing about that, it almost seems like kind of like a, a set favoritism, right? You're like, wait, so God's peace is on those whom his favor rests. And so it kind of, it's somewhat, the, the language can be a little confusing. But the reality is, is there's a peace for everyone that's willing to embrace it, this message, right? But the peace comes with an acknowledgement. The acknowledgement is, is a hostility that we can create towards God. Because of how we live our lives, right? We like to be in control of our lives. We like to do what we want. And you see this throughout scriptures time and time again. The peace is always about an, a sense of enmity 
or hatred, not necessarily because we try to hate God, but because our lives, <coughs> excuse me, can live in opposition to him, right? And so this Christmas peace that we're talking about, it's a peace of reconciliation between God and men. And what happens when you reconcile your heart with God? By default, you start reconciling with other people. You start having friendships that are intimate and deep. You start having marriages that work. Kids love and respect. Husband and wives get along. There's a family unit, a collective unit, wherever boundaries it may cross, but it works because there's a peace that God gives us this Christmas season. But we have to get to a place where we're willing to surrender, right? Surrender comes with fear, oftentimes. This passage is interesting. We're kind of working backwards if you haven't noticed already. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, I think that's a pretty natural response, don't you, if you saw an angel for the very first time, right? Talk about sensory overload. You know, we live in a culture that worships celebrities. Maybe at some point in time, you saw a celebrity when you were young or you had someone, a poster on your wall. There's someone that you're really excited to meet. I always thought about Michael Jordan because he was dunking in everybody and I loved basketball, right? And so, if I, you know, I never got a chance to meet him, but I did see a statue and I did see, like, I went to Chicago, we went to the arena. I'm like, oh, Michael Jordan stuff and the Bulls from 95, 96 championships. And, you know, I kind of had this sense of awe and wonderment. Now, imagine if a messenger from God came to you what kind of sensory overload that would be? Something so holy and so perfect, we can't even comprehend it. It has a message for these people. I think it's pretty natural to have that kind of fear-based response, at least on the surface, right? If we go a little deeper and go back to, let's say, the garden, our, our original goal, God's original goal set up for us was to have this intimate relationship where there was no fear, right? They just walked with them. They're just in the garden together, having a good old time. But there's been this separation as a result of a lack of peace. This separation that needs to be reconciled. Something has to give. Now, when I think of fear kind of personally and specifically, I generally think of the fear of, of control and surrender, right? Because it, it's, it's terrifying for many of us to think of living a life where we don't always have the final say. Think about that. Well, because I, I, I read, I've, I've experienced, I've lived life, I, I, you know, I've read books, I've watched other people, um, you know, I, I feel like I, I'm, I mean, you know, I know enough to make a decent amount of decisions, which is true, we all want to mature and grow up, right? But there's always aspects of what we go through in a spiritual walk and journey where God's like, follow me. Turn yourself in. It's time. It happens over and over again in our walk, and we have this fear. The shepherds' faith, even though they were afraid, they obeyed. Even though they were scared, they were willing to listen and do that which God required. I like this quote from the book. It says, what about the greatest fear we have of surrendering control? How can we trust him with our lives? The answer is that the little baby in the manger is the mighty Christ, the Lord. So think, perceive, ponder. If the omnipotent Son of God would radically lose control, all for you, then you can trust him. And that should undermine 
your fear. Jesus had total control before the creation of the world. He's with God and the Holy Spirit and all the heavenly hosts. And he subjects himself to a position of sheer and utter vulnerability. Think about this for a second. Mary and Joseph had to leave their home and go to Egypt for a while. Why? Because King Herod was trying to do what? He was trying to kill kids, right? To and under because he heard about a king. He's like, wait a minute, king? I'm the king. Who is this king? Let's go take out this king. If they didn't go to Egypt, Jesus could very well be killed. That's how vulnerable Jesus was. He gave up control. A, a being that controls our, our, our big brother, son of God that controls legions of angels, made himself vulnerable to death yeah. at a time when he was still in diapers. So when we talk about giving up control, we have a clear president. Jesus gave up all the authority that he had in heaven and earth in moments where he was utterly vulnerable so that we too can be in a place we can say, you know what, God? I know this is scary. I know following you, it, it, there's a lot of trepidation around it. But you know what? Your will be done. Think about the moments you've had in your life where you said that and how transformational that moment was. I, I was going through this lesson last night and I'll process these different emotions, right? Feeling a lot of different things. I'll share it another time. <laughs> but as I'm going through it, I'm writing on the slide about surrender. And, and the, the first thought that hit me was like, you have to surrender your emotions too, Rhett. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't give you carte blanche and full authority to act and, and do whatever you want. Rhett, you have to surrender all that you feel to me. And in my head, I'm thinking like, but I don't want to. <laughs> but I feel hurt. Um, I'm upset. And so the prayer was, God, um, this was my prayer. I was like, God, I don't have that heart. Um, I need you to help me. Because I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. I don't have the power to change the way that I know I need to, apart from you coming down, touching my heart, and doing a little judo reversal, because this ain't working right now. It's the same thing for us. This greatest fear that we have, letting go of control. The cool thing about the uh, passage that I, meant, I forgot to mention is this idea of beholding. When the angel tells him to, to not be afraid, right? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. There, there's an element there, if you look at the King James, is, is its idea of like beholding, right? So you have this fear in your heart. But once you start to behold the message, that God has for you, when you ponder it deep in your heart like Mary did, when it's, it, it, it takes root in the fiber of your being, the fear disappears. There's no room for the fear anymore. Fear's gone because the message has removed any speck of it. There's no room for it because the message that Jesus let go, that we can too, there's a Christmas peace that we want spread throughout the world, right? The, the shepherds, they listen to the message, they obey the message. And it talks about, actually we'll go to 
quick. Go on, lean back. Take a moment. It says at the end right here, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. When we allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts, there's a natural overflow that occurs. Not so much like, oh, here's the evangelistic charge of the message, right now time to go talk to people. It's like, no. There, there's, when, when you draw richly with, richly with something, there's a natural overflow that occurs. When you're excited about uh, Avatar Way of the Water because you saw it Thursday night at 12 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. How, how, many time, how many people did you tell around you? Oh, I saw Avatar. It was great. Hey, let me give you my review online and write this down. Whatever the case may be, right? We talk about the things we're excited about. Shepherds were excited about what they'd seen and heard. Let's read this right here. This is uh, from Tim Keller. This is page 111 of the book, Hidden Christmas. Christmas means that through the grace of God and the incarnation, peace with God is available. If you make peace with God, then you can go out and make peace with everybody else. And the more people who embrace the gospel and do that, the better off the whole world is. Christmas, therefore, means the increase of peace, both with God and between people across the face of the world. The angelic proclamation of peace is found in surrendering in God. People spend their whole lives trying to find measures of peace. I, I, it's kind of funny, but I reached out to a, a famous comedian on social media, and he, he liked my message. But he, he put a heart on it. I'm not going to say who it was. But in, in he, he had a, a special, and in the special, he was searching for peace uh, in his mind to the point that he was getting his head checked. Like, scientifically, they're going through all these different waves and brain patterns, and they're trying to figure out, because he's, he's trying to solve biologically a, a, a problem that is inherently spiritual. And so we try to find like physical ways to give us peace. And you fill in the blank for yourself because we all have these temporary solutions. Like generally speaking, if I want peace because I feel like befuddled by something or other, I will generally go to ice cream. Shocker. I eat my feelings. It's a good resource. Oh. Or, or if it's, or the kids are asleep, it's really late, I'm like, let my, let my brain veg on Netflix for a second. Because I don't want to think about the troubles of the world. <laughs> we all have something that we go to. But the beauty of Christ is that we have a peace that passes understanding. It, it, it's not, it, anything external has no bearing on what God gives us in here. It can literally transcend every single situation which you're going through, to the point that you can have, dare I say, joy in trials through the peace that God has. Switching gears into communion, we have a pathway to peace. And we've heard it many times through Jesus Christ. But we need to let the word of God dwell richly in our hearts. Allow it to resonate as we read this passage. Romans 6, Romans 5, 6 to 11, I should say. You see, at just the right time, when we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Here's the kicker I want to focus on. While we are still sinners, when you are absolute worst, imagine on this giant screen your worst sin played for everyone to see. 
and I can see the shame on some of your faces because I share it. While you were still sinners, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, just as if I never sinned, justified, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. As you continue your Christmas adventures and, and sing your Mariah Carey songs for the next couple weeks or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is for you that gets you the move for the season, the true point of Christmas, God came down in the form of a child. Whew, I'm I didn't plan on this one. <laughs> There's such an inherent beauty to that. Men are trying to find God through various sources of religion. In Christianity, God came down to man and showed us who he is. The, the book makes a connection about uh, Shakespeare and Hamlet. Like, how would, how would Hamlet know about Shakespeare? unless Shakespeare wrote himself in the play. It gave him little kind of nooks and crannies about who he is. You think about for ourselves, we have a God that came down and showed us the way, the truth, and the life. That has to resonate with us in some form or fashion to give us a peace. We're never lost. We can always go back to true north. Let us pray for communion. We thank you, God, so much for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for his birth. Thank you so much for his life, for all the work that he did, for all the work that he continues to do. Thank you so much that your son died on a cross for us, that our big brother, Jesus, died on a cross for us, so that we could have peace with you. During this holiday season, God, allow us to reflect deeply on what we have in Christ, all the blessings, most importantly, an intimate connection with our creator, you. Thank you so much for this time. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.